0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Praise the Lord. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Let's just lift up our hands to the Lord and give him praise and give him glory and give him thanks. Lord Jesus, we'll praise you. Lord Jesus, we'll bless you. We'll give you all the honor. We'll give you all the praise. we give you all the adoration. In ourselves, we're nothing. Lord Jesus, you are everything. And it's in you that we are something. We give you worship. We magnify that matchless name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for you are our Father. Thank you for the privilege to mingle our voices together in prayer, in praise, in worship, in adoration, for your loving kindnesses and your tender mercies that are forever ours. Thank you because you are our Father and a good Father. Thank you because the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We approach your word reverently and humbly. We trust that by your spirit, you'll open up your word to our spirits. Our hearts are proposed. Our minds determined. We won't only be hearers of the word alone, we'll be doers of the same. Thank you, Father. Because as a result, we'll be full recipients of your blessings. And not only will we be blessed, we'll be a blessing. We give you praise. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, The theme of the meeting is I move mountains. I move mountains. And I'll go to the same theme text that we started from in the first service. I'll I'll repeat some of the things I said and then we're going to take it further from there. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And um, we read in verse 2, verse 2, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not love, I'm nothing. Now the context of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, is talking about the importance of walking in love. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now abides faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. God is love. Amen. Love is the most potent characteristic of God. But you see, faith has the role it plays. Hope has the role it plays. As great as love is, love uh, can not take the place of faith. Faith can't take the place of hope. Hope can't take the place of love. They all have what they do. And all of them working together is what enables us to be all that we can be in God. But the particular thing I want to bring our attention to is that that second verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. So that I I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. So we see there that people remove mountains. He said, I could remove mountains so I can remove mountains. You can remove mountains. Amen. The theme for this month is I move mountains. And we can see right here, I could remove mountains so I can remove mountains. But how do I remove mountains? How would you remove mountains? How do you remove mountains? It's right there in the verse. I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. So it's through faith that we remove mountains but we are the ones that remove the mountains it's not God who moves the mountains amen we are the ones that remove the mountains yes it's his power that gets it done but you see the power to bind and lose is not in heaven he's here on earth whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever we lose on earth will be loosed in heaven That mountain is going to stay in your life for as long as you let it until you choose to move it. Now, who's going to see to it that you get it removed? God. God. But how do you move the mountains? Through your faith. Amen. Now, um, we have scriptures in the New Testament, words that Jesus spoke about mountains. Let's just look at a few of them. In Matthew chapter 17 and in verse 20. Jesus, it says, and Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, you know, they had been unable to cast out the devil from this child. And then they asked Jesus, Why couldn't we do that? He said, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. So he said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to the mountain, remove. And the mountain will be removed. So you see there faith and also mountains. Removing mountains. So faith does remove mountains. Now who's the person to speak to the mountain? Is it God who will speak to the mountain? No. You will say to the mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove. Now who's going to see to it that it moves? God. Amen. God. You see, we are the believers. He's the performer. We do the believing. He does the performing. Amen. Then we see again in Matthew chapter 21, another reference that Jesus made to mountains. Matthew 21, 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this Mountain, see mountain there again. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. So you can remove the mountains by speaking to it. And notice it said, if you have faith and doubt not. So you see faith coming there again. Amen. And faith removing the mountain. Now what's a mountain? A mountain is big. It's huge. It's fixed. It's stationary. It's been there perhaps for long. Amen. It's an obstacle. It obscures your view of the other side. It stands in the way of um, you achieving your heart's desire or seeing your dreams realized. It represents an impossibility. Now by the time you tell the mountain to remove and the mountain gets removed and cast into the sea. If a mountain gets inside the sea, what's going to happen? It's going to sink. And when the mountain sinks... There wouldn't be any evidence that there was ever a mountain. Amen. So we can get rid of those mountains in our lives. You know, the mountain could be, it could be sickness and disease. It could be lack, joblessness. It could be some uh, addictive behavior, some bad habit. It could be an obstacle. It could be family problems. It could just be a dream stands impossible. Maybe you want to school abroad or something God put in your heart, establish your business, thrive in what you do, succeed in life. It represents an impossibility and God's word tells us that we can move those mountains. We can get them out of the way. Now, remember, it's not God who moved them. You are the one who's to move it. Now, with whose power? Of course, with God's power. God is the person who's going to walk to see that the mountain gets removed. But God is not the one who's going to speak to your mountain. You are the one to speak to the mountain. Amen. Then um, another place where Jesus spoke about mountains, in actual fact, it's spoken more details in that account, is in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. If you read from verse 12 to 14, the Bible says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, Jesus was hungry, seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves. He came if happily, if perhaps he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Verse 14 says, And he answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. The Bible says, and his disciples heard it. Now, why was Jesus looking for figs? from that fig tree, even though it wasn't the time for figs. Well, like I said in the first service, in that part of the world and with fig trees, in the season that was not the season for fig trees to bear fruit, some of them retained their leaves. Those of them that retained their leaves also had fruit. So when Jesus saw this particular fig tree, even though it wasn't the season for figs to bear fruit, but this particular one had leaves. And because it had leaves, it was expected to have fruit. But when Jesus saw the fig tree, he saw the leaves on it. He went there. He was hungry. He was a man. Yes, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. Amen. The second person of the Godhead came to the earth as a man to redeem us. And um, as man, he was hungry. He got to it. He found nothing but leaves. Now, somebody said, why was Jesus being mean to that tree? Why did he have to curse it out? This is it. It had wasted Jesus' time. It had misled him. Jesus, because he walks in love, he didn't want that tree misleading somebody else and wasting somebody else's time. So let's just get rid of this stuff. Let it not mislead anybody else. And it's just taking space. Not yielding any fruit. Well, we don't need that. So, Jesus answered and said unto it. Imagine a man talking to a tree. And um, he said it in the presence of his disciples. So they heard it. So he didn't just think it. He didn't just believe it. The Bible says he answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Says his disciples heard it. You know, that fig tree had spoken to Jesus. You're going to stay hungry. You're going to stay hungry. You're going to stay hungry. I've misled you. I've misled you. So Jesus now told the tree, I've got something to tell you back. He answered and said unto it, Praise God. Well, um, Verse 20 says, and in the morning as they passed by, says they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. It didn't dry up from the shoot. It dried up from the roots. Now he was coming from Bethany previously on the way to Jerusalem. And then they must have passed by that same route, that same day in the evening. Now maybe it was too dark for them to have noticed, but maybe it wasn't that dark. But either which way, we don't see any evidence of what Jesus spoke having come to pass until about 24 hours after. It wasn't until the next day. And then they saw it dried up from the roots. Well, you trust Peter. Peter calling to remembrance in verse 21. saith, Master, teacher, behold the fig tree with that cursest is withered away. Verse 22 now says, and Jesus answering, seeth unto them, have faith in God. Now, the literal Greek actually says, have the faith of God. According to, A.T. Robertson, outstanding Greek scholar. He brought out the fact, number one in his day actually, brought out the fact that the literal Greek there is not have faith in God. The literal Greek says have the faith of God, which is the same as the God kind of faith. Now, is it that we shouldn't have faith in God? We do have faith in God. 1 Peter 1.21 says that our faith and hope might be in God. So we do have faith in God. But in that particular place, it's actually talking about the faith of God. So Jesus was trying to tell them, You see what I just did? You can do the same thing. It's not a deity trick. It wasn't magic. You can do the same thing. How did I do it? How to use my faith. I have the God kind of faith. Obviously, it's bound to be the God kind of faith. Because you see, Hebrews eleven three tells us that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Genesis chapter 1, about 10 or 11 times, you see, written again and again, and God said, and God said, and God said. And after he said, he saw what he said because it came to pass. Amen. God believed in himself. Remember, he's a spirit. And then he said it. He believed that what he said will come to pass. And it did. It did. So Jesus exercised that same kind of faith. And he was telling his disciples, guys, you can do the same thing. Have the God kind of faith. Now, what does have the God kind of faith mean? One or both of two things. If I tell you, oh, you need to have my phone or you need to have my watch. It could be possess it. I'm giving it to you. You need to take possession of it. You need to get it. You need to acquire it. You need to have it as your belonging. Then the other thing it could mean, and it actually means both. If I tell somebody, have some patience with me now. What do I mean? I mean, exercise some patience in that situation. Amen. You see, when Jesus said this, none of the disciples was born again. They didn't have the life of God yet. He hadn't yet gone to the cross. So the disciples did not possess the God kind of faith. Now, is it possible for somebody who is not saved to exercise faith? Certainly. The Old Testament saints, they didn't have the life of God. You read in Hebrews 11, they exercised faith, great faith. The Syrophoenician woman, Matthew 15, 21 or 28, she exercised great faith. Uh, the centurion, he exercised great faith, Matthew Matthew uh, 8. 5 to 13. So, because man is a spirit and it's with the heart that man believes. Any spirit being is capable of believing. Saved or unsaved. In actual fact, if an unbeliever couldn't exercise faith, then we couldn't get saved. Because we exercised faith as unbelievers and that's how we became believers. That's how we got the life of God. So, anybody can exercise faith. But you see, for us who are born again... We have faith. And I'll get to that in a bit. Then in the next verse, verse 23, Jesus went ahead to define as well as describe this God kind of faith. And what was his definition of it? For verily I say unto you. Now, when Jesus begins to say for verily, for truly, you know that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So when truth personified comes out and says saying, guys, I'm telling you truly. I'm telling you, certainly, that's quite some emphasis. For verily, certainly, absolutely, truly, listen up. I'm telling you this stuff. That whosoever, 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 whosoever shall do what? Shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, look like Jesus was just by Mount uh, Olivet at that time when he said that. And he might have pointed to that mountain. And was he talking about moving literal mountains? Perhaps. But you see, he was talking about circumstances, situations that stand as mountains. He was talking about, look, this Faith, I'm telling you, will get anything done, even if it's a mountain. See, it had just caused the fig tree to dry up. Jesus talked about in Luke 17:6 getting the psychomotry to be thrown in the sea. So he's talking about it walking on the impossible, anything, impossible, impossible, possible, whatever. This faith will get it done. It will move mountains. It'll. Turn impossibilities around. Amen. Whosoever, anybody, anywhere, who say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, in verse 24, When I had to say, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And then in 25 and 26, and when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So, in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus defined the God kind of faith as a kind of faith whereby a person believes a thing in his heart, says with his mouth what he believes in his heart, and it comes to pass. You believe a thing in your heart. You say with your mouth what you believe in your heart, and it comes to pass. You see, that's the faith that moves mountains. That's the faith that moves mountains. You believe a thing in your heart. You say with your mouth what you believe in your heart and it comes to pass. Now some folks believe in their hearts but they're not saying anything with their mouths and so their mountains are standing and standing tall and staying there. They're not moving. Now some folks, they're saying stuff but they don't believe it in their hearts. But they're saying stuff. They don't believe it in their hearts. And guess what? Their mountains are not moving either. Because you got to believe it in your heart as well as say it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. That's what gets it done. Now, most people don't have trouble with the believing part. Most Christians, that is. Where more of us have problems is in the same part. See, we have been taught to believe. We've been taught to have faith. Where we miss it primarily is in that same part. To say the same thing the word of God says. To maintain our confession of faith. That's where more Christians have challenges. But the principle of faith is this. You believe it in your heart. You say with your mouth, God, you believe in your heart and it comes to pass. Now we know that there are laws in the natural. Yeah. I did physics as a secondary school student. There was this man by the name Newton. Isaac Newton that we learned about. Newton had these things, they call them laws of motion. You know, oh, the first one, they call it the law of inertia. Body continues in its state of rest. Or uniform motion in a straight line, unless impressed forces act upon it. See, it's a law, it's a principle. You know, there's gravity, the gravitational pull towards the earth. Now, I'm not going to, is not a science class, right? And I know it's not, we're in church. But sometimes some of these things just make these things real. If I had to jump up, well, what happened? I came back down. Why? Because of the gravitational pull towards the earth. You see, it's a law, it's a principle. Amen. This is a phone, one phone. This is another phone, a second phone. I put them together, then I count how many phones. I'm not going to find six. They're going to be two. One plus one will be two. It's a mathematical law. Look, just like there are natural laws, there are also spiritual laws. Romans 3.27 says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. It says, by what law? What law excludes the boasting? It says, of works? No, not the law of works. It says, but by the law of faith. So you see, faith is a law. It's a principle. A spiritual law a scriptural principle and that law is stated right here in mark 11:23 that if you believe a thing in your heart and you say with your mouth what you believe in your heart it, uh, it's going to come to pass you will have what you say now that reminds all of us of how we got saved doesn't it romans 10:9 and 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that god hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That's how we got born again. We believed in our hearts. We confessed with our mouths. And then eternal life got imparted into our spirits. Our spirits got recreated. We became new creatures in Christ Jesus. We see also in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13, where the Bible says, we having the same spirit of faith... Notice, it doesn't say we are trying to get it. It says we have in it the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I have believed. Therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So, the spirit of faith is the same thing as the law of faith, the God kind of faith, the word of faith. And what does it entail? You believe a thing in your heart, you share with your mouth what you believe in your heart, and it comes to pass. So that's God's definition of this faith that moves mountains. Now, then uh, in the first service, we began to look at different things about this God kind of faith, this mountain moving faith. We said, number one, every believer has faith. Every believer has faith. Every believer. It takes faith to get saved. So, saved people have faith. For instance, you are inside this hall right now. If you were, as you're seated here, if you were to tell me you've never passed through a door in your life, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to check the windows. Whether maybe someone broke a window somewhere or someone came in through a window earlier today. If nobody came in through a window, then I'm going to look at you again and say, well, I don't think you were born in this room. And I don't think you've lived in this room all your life. If you haven't, at least if I don't know of any other room, I know of this hall. You had to pass through any of the doors here before you could come in. Are you listening to me? For you to get saved, you had to pass through the door of faith to salvation. Saved people have faith. It takes faith to get saved. In actual fact, the new birth is the biggest miracle that there is. You can't believe God for something bigger. And the same faith that got you saved will get you anything else. Amen. Amen. So every believer has faith. Why do I say that? See, I wouldn't make a statement like that if I couldn't prove it. And I'll give you five witnesses. The Bible says in the matter, of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I'll give you five. Number one, in Romans twelve three, the Bible says, I say through the grace that's given to me, to every man that is among you, talking to the believers in Rome, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly, According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, that's not every man in the world. Second Thessalonians 3.2 tells us that all men have not faith. If you read the context of 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 2, you'll notice it's talking about ungodly men. Pray that we may, deliver, we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. So unreasonable men don't have faith. Wicked men don't have faith. Unbelievers don't have this kind of faith we're talking about but children of God do. So Romans 12.3 says, God has dealt to every man among us the measure of faith. Every believer has it. Then we also saw Ephesians 2.8. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. See, the faith through which we were saved was given to us by God. Amen. It's God's gift. It's God's gift. So it's by grace that we're saved through faith. So for you to be saved, you, you exercise faith. Saved people have faith. Well, how did God give us the faith? So I've given two witnesses already. Romans 12, 3. Ephesians 2, 8. A third witness, Romans ten seventeen. That's how God gave faith to the sinner to be saved. Remember the 13th verse says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I in verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So the calling there is not just saying a name. It's talking about speaking forth based on a persuasion. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Now verse 17 now says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's how faith came to the sinner to get saved. He heard the word of God. He heard the gospel. When he heard the gospel, faith came to his heart. Then he acted on that faith. Uh, The same chapter, Romans 10, if you read from verse 8, the Bible says, But what seeth it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess to thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that's how the sinner got uh, faith to be saved, by hearing the gospel. And then he acted on that faith, confessed Jesus as his Lord, believed in his heart that God raised him from the dead, and he got born again. So that's the third witness. Well, a fourth witness that every believer has faith. In Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, says Simon Peter, he says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us through the uh, righteousness of God and our Savior. Amen. So, people who are saved, you know, we've become the righteousness of God. And by getting born again, the Bible says we have obtained like precious faith. The same kind of faith that Peter had who walked on the water with Jesus. That's the kind of faith you've got. We've obtained like precious faith. This faith is precious. Precious. Because it's the victory that overcomes the world. It's what pleases God. Amen. It's how we walk in victory over the flesh, the world, and the devil. It's how we receive answers to our prayers. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. You see, it's precious. And we have obtained it. We're not hoping to obtain it. We're not going to obtain it when we get to heaven. We have obtained like precious faith. Amen. So that's a fourth witness. Well, fifth witness. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. The Bible says, We have in the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Notice it says, We have in, we have in, we have in. We're not praying for it. We're not promising God. Okay, God, I crossed my heart. This year, I will read my Bible every day. I'll pray every day. I promise. Just give me faith. No, whether you read your Bible or you don't read your Bible, you have the same spirit of faith. Now, you ought to read your Bible. But listen, if you're born again, you have the spirit of faith. Whether I just promise God, I'll do better this year. Look, uh, you don't have to promise God to do better this year to get faith. You already got it. Now, you ought to do better this year. But you see, you have faith. You have that same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith that Paul had. The same spirit of faith that Jesus had and still has. You've got it. Same spirit of faith. Paul was talking to the Corinthian church. If you want to know the Corinthian church, that's carnality personified in a local assembly. Corinthian church. Yet, Paul said, we having the same spirit of faith. They had the same spirit of faith that Paul had. Listen, you've got the spirit of faith. Every believer has faith. I've heard some Christians say, ah, you see, that's not my problem, oh, see, if only I had faith. You know, all things are possible to him that believe it. Ah, faith. It moves mountains. If only God would just give me this faith. I know my problem. I just need faith. No, no, no. You've got faith. 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 God's not going to give you faith if you're saved. Now, if you're not saved, yes, you need to get saved so that the measure of faith can be dealt to your heart. But if you're saved, you've got it. You may not know you do, but you still do. You may have it and not be using it. But well, you still do. Let's say this together. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. I have faith. I have mountain moving faith. I have the God kind of faith. All things are possible to me. I am a believing one. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. So you have faith. You have faith. You have mountain moving faith. You can remove mountains. What's that mountain that stands before you? What's that challenge? What's that situation? You got to do something about it. You know, sometimes they're waiting on God to do something. Waiting on God to do something. As a preacher was praying one time, he said, oh God, please move. Move. Oh, please move. He said, by hook or by crook, just move. Listen, God is not moving by hook or by crook. Amen. You see, it's your move. When you move, he moves. When you do something about the mountain, when you speak to the mountain, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that the things you say shall come to pass, then the mountain will be moved. God will see to it, it gets moved. Amen. So we've got faith. We've got faith. We've got faith. You're a faith man. You know, some folks say, you see, those faith people, those faith people, say, those word of faith people, are ah, is all of us, except you are not born again. You know, some people say, I'm a grace man. I, I, I'm a grace junkie. You know, have you heard that before? I, I, I'm of the grace revolution. Listen, in the final analysis, the grace message is the faith message. It's the Bible message. Amen. It's the same thing. It's just the truth of God's word. Notice Paul said, but what seeth it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. Romans ten eight. That is the word of faith which we preach. Paul called the gospel the word of faith. Causes faith to come to the hearts of those who are open to it, even if the person is an unbeliever. Amen. So we've got faith. Well, the second thing I want to say is this. I didn't say this in the first service. So if you know somebody who wasn't Uh, who's not in this service or perhaps was uh, in the first one, well, you know something that I'm going to say that he didn't hear. I'm going to tell you. You want to hear? You want to tell him? Well, you can tell him if you want to. (laughs) Praise God. But the second thing I want to say is this. See, this faith can increase. This faith can grow. It can grow. Now, that's something that gives some people feats. Some people say that faith doesn't grow. it that you have faith or you don't have it. You know? Could that be true? Let's examine what the Bible says. 2 Thessalonians. Well, I could quote it, but I don't want to. I want you to see it in the Bible for yourself. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and in verse 3. The Bible says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. Now, This is Paul writing to the saints in Thessalonica. This is the apostle of grace himself. The man that had the revelation of redemption. That knew about Christ and his finished work. And he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. How many people agree with me that Paul knew what he was talking about? And that this is the Holy Ghost speaking to us. You believe that, right? Okay, let's keep reading. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. So it's talking to people who are born again. As it is proper, as it is meet. Why? What for? Because that your faith, your faith groweth exceedingly. And the love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Notice it said their faith grows. Not only was their faith growing, it was growing exceedingly. Their faith was growing exceedingly. Someone said, no, faith doesn't grow. What happens is that you are the one that grows in faith. I said, oh gosh. (laughs) At least there's some growing. And faith is involved. The Bible says here, your faith groweth exceedingly. So your faith can grow. It can grow. Now, faith growing is not automatic. That's why Paul said, we're bound to thank God. Wow, I'm grateful to God for you guys. Because your faith is growing. It's not just growing, uh, it's growing exponentially. It's growing exceedingly. Well, that's just one witness. Yeah, I thought you'll say so. I'll give you a second and even a third. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 15. 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 verse 15 says, Not boasting of things without our measure that is of other men's labors 2 Corinthians 10:15 Paul writing to the Corinthian church not boasting of things without our measure that is of other men's labors but having hope when your faith is what at the same level decreased no when your faith your faith your faith is increased when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Could their faith increase? Paul seemed to think so. The Holy Ghost seemed to say so. Well, he didn't even seem to say so. He said so. When your faith is increased, if something can grow, if it can increase, well, it can be developed. In the same 2 Corinthians, let's go to chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse 7. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. It says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. The particular grace he was talking about was the grace of giving. So he was saying that they were abounding. The Greek word abound here means to increase. Abounding. And one of the areas they were abounding in was faith. Faith. So a believer can abound in faith. Are you listening? Believer can abound in faith. A believer can grow in faith. A believer's faith can grow. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it, the Bible did. Second Thessalonians 1 3. Your faith grows exceedingly. I'm, I'm just repeating the Bible. 2 Corinthians 10 15. When your faith is increased, well, the Bible said it. 2 Corinthians 8 7. As ye abound in. In faith. So, you can abound in faith. Your faith can increase. Your faith can grow. Look, at the new birth, God starts all of us on the same measure of faith. But you see, that measure that God gave to every person when they got saved can increase. It can grow. It can be developed. But listen, it's not God who's going to grow it. There was one time You know, Peter asked Jesus a question and he tried to answer the question. He said, how often should my brother offend me in one day and I forgive him seven times? Jesus said, no, not seven, seven times seven. As soon as he said that, you know, Jesus told them that, Luke 17 verse five, you know, Peter replied, said, Lord, increase our faith. What was Jesus' response? Jesus said, if you will have faith like a grain of mustard seed, See, faith works like a seed. Faith works like a seed. See, many times, people misunderstand what Jesus said about faith like a mustard seed. And people say, look, a mustard, all this thing about great faith, big faith, it's not important. It's just mustard seed faith. And I've seen a mustard seed before. It's like powder. Very tiny seed. That Jesus said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, nothing will be impossible to you. Hmm. Let's think a little bit. Just let's think. You know, the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. Let's just compare scriptures with scriptures. Now, do we know anybody who had little faith? And let's see the results they got. Remember Matthew 14, 22 to 31, when Peter was walking on the water. You know, Jesus walking on the water. They said, who's this? He said, it's I. Then Peter said, if it be you, bid me come. Jesus said to him, come. And he started to walk on the water. After a while, he began to sink. And what did Jesus say? Oh, thou of little faith. It looked like little faith didn't get Peter to Jesus. Little faith caused him to sink. Isn't it? Jesus was talking in Matthew 6. If you read from verse 25 to 34, take no thought for your life, what you'll eat, what you drink, your body, what you put on. is not the body more than uh, meat, you know, and life more than raiment and so on. If you read in verse 30 and in verse 31 of Matthew 6, It says, worry. Jesus said that it's a person exhibiting little faith. Now, should we worry? We shouldn't. Does God want us? Is God just okay? Just little faith will get the job done. Just mustard seed will get everything done. No, that's not what Jesus was saying. Now, if you check in Matthew 13, when Jesus was talking about the mustard seed, He said that it may be the tiniest of seeds, but when you plant it and it grows, it becomes a mighty tree that the birds of the air come to lodge in. Jesus wasn't saying little faith will get big results. Apparently, little faith got little results. Great faith got great results. So when Jesus is talking about faith like a mustard seed, for one, the mustard seed is one seed that cannot be hybrided. That's one of the things about it. Another thing about the mustard seed is this. When you plant it, it grows and it becomes mighty. So Jesus was not saying Little faith will get you everything. That's not what he was saying. Because little faith didn't get people everything. Little faith got little results. Do you see that? So yes, faith can grow. Faith can increase. Regardless of where your faith is at. There are two simple things that if you will do to it, it will grow and it will remove mountains. But before I even get into what those two things are, let me establish this further about little faith and great faith. Now we saw in, in Mark 4, if you read from verse um, about 35 to 40, where uh, Jesus was asleep on the ship and then a storm arose. And when the storm arose, the disciples woke Jesus up. Said, Master, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Well, Jesus addressed the situation first. And then he rebuked them. He said to the sea, peace be still. There was a great calm. And then he said, how come you exhibited no faith? In that instance, they exhibited no faith. So it's possible for a person to exhibit no faith. So that's possible. Then we saw, I refer to it, Matthew 14, from verse 22 to 31, where Peter began to sink. And Jesus said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Looks like little faith doubts. So, it's possible for per- a person to be at a place of little faith. Amen. Matthew 6, 30, 31. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? O ye of little faith. Little faith worries. Little faith fears. Little faith doubts. But we see in Matthew 8, from verse 5 to 13, about the centurion, where Jesus said, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. We see in Matthew 15, 21 to 28, talking about the Seraphonician woman. In verse 28, Jesus said, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So, someone can exhibit and have great faith. So, we saw no faith. We've seen little faith. Now, we're seeing great faith. Now, just like you know, that was in the Gospels. As of that time, none of these guys were saved. In fact, the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman, they didn't even have a covenant with God. They were in Jews. In spite of that, they exhibited faith because faith comes by hearing God's word. They knew what God's word was, what God's word says concerning healing. They believed it and they got results. Amen. Great results. So we've seen no faith, little faith, great faith. In Romans chapter 4, we're told in verse 12 to follow in the steps of Abraham's faith. Now, in talking about Abraham's faith, In verse 19, the Bible says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So there's such a thing as a person being weak in faith. So faith can be weak. We're told not to be weak in faith. Verse 20 of Romans 4 says, But he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So faith can be weak. Faith can also be strong. And believers are told to follow in the steps of Abraham's faith and be strong in faith. So God wants us to be strong in faith. So faith can be little. Faith can be great. That talks about size. Faith can be weak. Faith can be strong. That talks about strength. Amen. Faith is measurable. It's measurable. Then, in the epistles, we see where the Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 5, it talks about unfeigned faith. 2 Timothy 1 5 says the same thing, unfeigned faith. Faith that is authentic, not pretentious faith. Yeah, sometimes we come to church, you see believers, oh, you know, I am who he says I am. I have what he says I have. Then when we leave those doors, you know, say, "My guy, how far?" Say, "Nothing is working, no." Then what was all that shouting? You know, there is faith that is feigned, pretentious. It's not real. It's not genuine. But sorry, faith can be feigned. Faith can be unfeigned. It can be sincere. And God wants us to have unfeigned faith, genuine faith. Not one that is pretentious. Not one that is make-believe. No, sometimes people say fake it until you make it. No, that's not Bible. We're not faking anything. We're real people. We act on God's real word. See, faith does not deny the facts. If you're sick, you're sick. If you're broke, you're broke. Jesus didn't say, whosoever shall say, there's no mountain. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. So you got to realize, my guy, I got a mountain. But you know what? It's not staying. Because I'm getting rid of it. I'm doing something about it. I'm speaking to it. Amen. The mountain was created with words in the first place. So uh, words remove the mountain. Words remove the mountain. So faith can be little. Faith can be great. Faith can be weak. Faith can be strong. Faith can be unfeigned. Real. So faith can also be feigned, perhaps. Then that same Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.19, Bible says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some haven't put away concerning faith have made a shipwreck. So faith can be shipwrecked. Faith can capsize. You know, there are believers endeavoring to believe God. You know, there are people who do 419, but they come to tithe from 419 money. They do dubious stuff. What's going to happen to them? And they say, I believe God. He supplies all my need. You know, someone can be doing shady business and he's saying, I believe God. What's going to happen to that kind of believe God? He's going to shipwreck. Because that's not a good conscience. I've seen people, they are not living right, but yet they are believing God. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Where they have a good conscience. A good conscience. Amen. A good conscience. So faith can be shipwrecked can be shipwrecked. Then we see in James chapter 2 verse 5, where the Bible says, has not God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? So a person can be rich in faith. A person can be rich in faith. Praise God, regardless of their material possessions. So that speaks of rich faith. That same James chapter 2 in verse 22 James 2.22, talking about Abraham. The Bible says through his actions, through his works, his faith was perfected. So there can be perfected faith. Faith that comes to fruition. You know, faith, without corresponding action is dead. If you don't act on what you believe, it stays dead. Not going to get you anything. So faith can be perfected, can be consummated, can be brought to fruition, can run its course. How? By adding corresponding action to what you believe. So there's perfected faith. Then we see in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, where the Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So there is world overcoming faith. So we see so many adjectives that the epistles speak of about faith. So faith is measurable. Faith is measurable. Notice what the Bible says, which some haven't put off concerning faith have made a shipwreck. 1 Timothy 119. He, he talked about Hymenius, Alexander, you know, and all that. Those were probably some believers. So a believer's faith can be shipwrecked. So the fact that you're a believer doesn't automatically mean that your faith is always at par. You are the one to see to it that your faith is Strong. That your faith is cultivated. That your faith is developed. Amen. The million dollar question now is this. How do I get my faith to grow? How do I increase my faith? How do I get my faith to abound? Two simple things. Number one, you need to feed your faith regularly. Feed your faith regularly. Regularly. Feed your faith. And number two, you need to exercise your faith. You need to feed your faith. And number two, you need to exercise your faith. F.F. Bosworth said something. He said most Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day. But they feed their spirits one cold snack a week. You know? Sunday, Sunday, Melisins. Sunday, Sunday, Melisins. You know, they feed their spirits one cold snack a week. And in some places it's a snack. I know this is a word taught church. You guys hear God's word. What you hear on Sundays isn't a snack. But there are places where it's just a snack. There are places where it's just milk. In fact, in some places it's not milk, it's blue john. (laughs) Blue john is the milk that has its cream taken out. Amen. Most Christians, Bosworth said, feed their spirits uh, feed their bodies three hot meals a day, their spirits one cold snack a week, and then they wonder why they're so weak in faith. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, if you wait until you need faith and then try to get it, you may have waited too late. PC Nelson said this, Peter Christopher Nelson. He was a Baptist preacher, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, came over among the Pentecostals. He was the number one authority in the Greek language in his day, outstanding Greek scholar. He said this. He said, constantly feed along the lines of faith and healing with whatever else you're studying. He said, because the day will come when you will either need faith for your own healing or for the healing of a loved one. But when your faith hasn't been kept strong in that area, you will be at a disadvantage. So faith is something we feed. Faith is something we feed. I have known people I knew the kind of where their fellowship with God was at. They weren't people who were committed to the things of God or attended church regularly or fed regularly on God's word. Then an impossibility came. You know, let's say a diagnosis of cancer. And then the doctor said, we need to operate on you immediately, right away. And then the same people said, no, I believe God. I believe God. And I felt like my guy. Don't commit suicide. Hmm? You haven't been feeding your faith. Now, I know it's possible sometimes when our backs are against the wall, we get earnest and really believe God. But you see, faith is not not willpower. It's not willpower. It's not just being stubborn. It's not being strong-headed. It's not. Yes, believing is an act of the will, but believing is a whole lot more uh, different from just something that is of the will. Amen. It grows. It grows. You need to realize that. You need to appreciate that. And what's going to cause your faith to grow? Those two simple things. Feed your faith regularly. Now, how do we feed our faith? Matthew 4.4 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What's that saying? What physical food eats to our body? That's what the word of God eats to our spirits. The word of God is the food of faith. The word of God is the food of faith. Now, I want you to hold up your Bible. Your Bible or your instrument of scripture. Amen. Hold it up. I want you to say this. This is faith food. This is faith food. This is faith food. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's the food of your faith. God's word is faith food. Romans ten seventeen 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to feed your spirits regularly on God's word. See, prayer is good. Prayer is important. I spent hours to pray in tongues every day. I read in my Bible where Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you. And I decided as a young boy that I don't want Paul to be able to quote that scripture when I get to heaven. Amen. Amen. So it's good to pray. Are you listening? It's good to pray. Prayer has its place. But you know, as important as praying in the spirit is, it won't give you faith. Someone says, but, but, but doesn't Jude 20 says it does? No, it doesn't. 2.20 says, but you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So praying in the Holy Ghost is not going to give you faith. It's going to build you up on the faith you have. It's going to stimulate your faith. You know, someone says, what about hearing testimonies? And I, I love, I just love to hear testimonies. I do too. But testimonies aren't going to give you faith. Testimonies may inspire your faith. You may say, well, if God did it for them, he'll do it for me. Now, be careful about testimonies. They can also kill you. Hebrews 11, 29 says, By faith, the children of Israel, they passed through the red shells of a dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. The Egyptians saw, they saw some people walking on dry land. You know, the depths were congealed. Exodus fifteen eight in the depth of the sea. They saw the waters uh, parted like walls. Then they saw some people walking. In the midst of the water. Then they too acted on what those people acted. And we know the end of the story. They died. Don't just do something because somebody else said they did it. Get the revelation of the word of God in your own spirit. That person acted. For instance, like medication. God has helped me to walk in health for decades. I haven't had a headache in over 30 years. I haven't had medication in decades. And I give God the glory. You know, but let me tell you something. If I needed medical help, I would get it. And I won't feel condemned about it. See, the doctor is fighting the same devil the preacher is fighting. The doctor is using natural methods. The preacher is using spiritual methods. Sometimes in some of these areas, we can just become cocky and arrogant. And sometimes not faith, it's arrogance. Look, faith grows. It does. It does. Proverbs 18 verse 9 in the Amplified Classic, it says, he that doesn't use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him that commits suicide. Don't commit suicide. Don't kill yourself. Faith grows. Start where you are at and feed your faith regularly. Now, one of the greatest decisions, actually, the greatest resolution you can make is that this year, as well as every other day of your life, that you're going to see to it that you apply yourself to the study of God's Word, that your knowledge of God's Word will grow. Then give yourself to study the Bible. Amen. Feed on the Word. Feed on the Word. Meditate in it. All of God's Word. You know, it's possible for your faith to be strong when it comes to healing, and it's weak when it comes to finances. You know, it's possible for your faith to be strong when it comes to finances, and it's weak when it comes to living right. Amen. Feed your faith on the entire counsel of God's word. Now, if there's a particular area where you are challenged, then put in some extra to feed your faith along that line. Maybe you're having some, there's a mountain of of sickness in your way or a mountain of uh, deprivation, of, of financial need, of lack. Then get into the word of God. Ask yourself, what does the word of God say about it? Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. The measure of your faith is the measure of your knowledge of God's word. Get acquainted with the word of God. Feed on the word. Feed on the word. Feed on the word. The entire counsel of God's word. But look, spend more attention in the New Testament than you do the Old Because we're in a better covenant now. Establish some better promises. And even in the New Testament, live in the epistles. See, I read the Bible cover to cover. Done that for years. I've lost count how many times I've read it. But it's not just reading it that counts. You can read the Bible so you can tick a roster. I've read it through. It's not reading to be reading. It's reading to understand. So that I can apply it in my life. Feed on God's word. Feed on God's word. Ingest it. Lagos, there's a lot of traffic, right? What about making sure you have a CD player in your car? Or maybe something you have on your phone. If you are in a bus or whatever, and you have your, some headphones you can use to listen to the word while you're in traffic. Amen. Feed on the word. Build the word of God into your spirit. Get good, solid materials. Your pastor's messages. Solid teaching on God's word. Good Christian literature that will build your spirit. But you see, listen, as important as reading Christian books, listening to Christian messages are, and they are important. Very important. However, know what the Bible says. Don't say, Kenneth Higgins said, it's not Kenneth Higgins who will confirm it. It's God that will confirm it. Know what God said. Know what God said. What did God say? Amen. Get acquainted with God through his word. And then notice I said, feeding your faith and exercising it. Start where you are at. Begin to exercise your faith at that level. And what's going to happen is going to grow. The first time I exercised faith for finances in my life was January 1989. All the faith I had, you know, I believed God for 130 naira. I mean, it's almost embarrassing today. But that was what happened. 130 naira then is not 130 naira now. Maybe like 130,000 right now. But that's where I started from. Sometimes people try to, you know, you don't climb a ladder by starting on the top rung. You're going to fall and probably break your head. You start at this level. Then you take the next step. Start where you are at. And keep putting God's word to practice. Keep believing God. You see, there was a time I could believe God for anything but malaria. That thing, "Ah," it showed me meme. Ooh I lived in the day of the queen You know chloroquine queen, queen camoquine queen queen you know them queens Yeah my god that thing gave me trouble And then I will endeavor to believe God my body will be shaking like a leaf I will have to thank God for chloroquine camoquine I have to take that queen stuff one day I then said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'll take half the dose and I'll use my faith. I did. And the thing left. Then the next time I said, okay, I'll use my faith entirely this time. I did it left. <laughs> Let me tell you, I felt like they should write it in Guinness Book of World Records. That I used my faith and I received healing from malaria. It was a feat. To even say that now, I almost feel embarrassed. Right? That malaria once gave me trouble. But it did. Now it looks like that was so far. It looks like it was some light years ago, isn't it? But well, you see, that was the level that I was at. Well, you know something. Feed your faith where you are at and exercise it. Exercise it on a daily basis. As a rule, sometimes I need some things. I have the money to buy it. But I tell myself, you know what? I'm going to keep that money aside and I'm going to use my faith. I'll give that money extra in church or Give it to someone I know who is in need. Well, I'll just keep it aside. I'll use my faith. Now, don't go and take your house rent, eh? Or your children's school fees. Don't start there. Don't be foolish. Start where you are at. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Wisdom is profitable to direct. You know, this is a church. Sometimes, as a guest speaker, hmm, if you are not careful, you can cause the pastor a lot of trouble. You just come and fire like this and fire like that. And when you are gone, the pastor has to mop up your trouble. Because you've given him trouble. I never want to give pastors trouble. Amen. So we said today that every believer has faith. Then we said number two, our faith can grow. It can increase. How? By feeding it on the word of God and by exercising it. Amen. Let's stand up on our feet. Let's stand up on our feet. And let's say this together. I have faith because I'm a believer and I will use my faith I will feed my faith on a regular basis on a regular basis and my faith is growing it's removing mountains Amen Amen Thank you for listening We are sure that you have been blessed for inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.